0: bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising.
1: So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world.
0: So let's get started. Hey, hey! Welcome! Becky, it's such a good day. It's a
1: good day when we get to go to Sonoma County. I know, Sonoma.
0: (laughs) And we get to get spoken to because who is feeling burnt out a little bit with everything 2020?
1: I mean, I want twenty twenty to just go away and never <laughs> come back. I want to read yes. the
0: books on twenty twenty in a few years, it's, right? It's and yeah, reflect be on epic. This. It will be epic.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: well, we have got the most amazing guest, Cynthia Gregory. She is an author, she's a consultant, she's a nonprofit leadership coach. She has been doing this for more than two decades and she's a coactive coach, knows that no one works harder or deserves more validation than nonprofit fundraisers, Aww, executives thank and you, cultural Cynthia. change makers. Yes. She is the real deal but you know a lot of us we talk about this often on the podcast a lot of us feel like we're on islands or you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and giving and you just need sometimes to get recharged and rebooted and that's Cynthia's jam and so she is going to come on and we're going to talk about all things that but Cynthia hi welcome to the show
2: Hi, thank you so much. It's fabulous to be here with you.
0: Well, we really appreciate it. Would you, you know, to tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you fall in? We always say you never, you know, we all kind of fall into fundraising. I'm sure you it's fall into supporting <laughs> fundraisers, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, you know, I fell into uh, the nonprofit world when I realized that it was actually a job um, that I could contribute to the well-being of the world around me and do good as well. Um, And then it evolved over time. So I started in marketing and public relations for nonprofit, um, which included United Way and American Red Cross Blood Services. Then I translated into uh, fundraising with a couple of hospital systems and also in Oregon worked for a nonprofit um, legal center, which was primarily focused on family care and um, child uh, protection. And so I've worked for, for large, well, well well-oiled organizations, as well as grassroots organizations. And then about eight years ago, I discovered coaching and I went, this is it. This is everything that I've been preparing myself for with all of this wonderful work that I've been doing, because now I can care for the caregivers.
0: I love that.
1: Care for the caregivers. Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you. I hope you trademark yeah. that. And if yes. Not, it. <laughs> it honestly
1: makes me feel like uh, we have a mom like looking out for us because um, I think the burnout and I love that we're talking about compassion fatigue mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that is such a real thing, a real thing. in nonprofit and y- I mean y- most people go into it because they want to make a difference. They, they want to mm-hmm. serve. They want to be a part of the greater good. But it's like there is just not enough time in a day for all the hats that we need to wear. And sometimes it is just too much. So I would love for you to just talk about, um, because when in, in Cynthia's bio, she has a topic of leadership, leadership slash wellness. And I'm really curious how those two are interrelated um, and how you're going to help us kind of work through that compassion fatigue
2: right well it's it's amazing um, you know those of us who have worked in the nonprofit world probably I've heard for years when I say, oh I'm a nonprofit leader people go, oh that's so nice and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes it is and it, yes it is a noble profession but there's somehow an implied sacrifice involved in that oh, and so I true. just don't believe that's necessary. Yeah, I you know that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Nonprofit leaders juggle a dozen flaming balls. They've got board management, they've got constituent care, they've got staff management, they've got finance, they've got all of it. And at some level, um, you know, if they're particularly well funded, it's going to go along well. But then if, you know, if it's a struggling nonprofit, there's the added stress of, of meeting the meeting, frankly, meeting the payroll every month. Yeah. You know, so, Um, Yeah, I think it takes a special quality to be able to juggle all those balls and then to recognize when your staff is suffering, especially the way staff is suffering right now. Um, People are working from home, teaching their children, doing their job, you know, holding all of the space and, you know, being superhuman at the same time. And what what ultimately gets sacrificed is self-care and well-being
0: love to just, you know, dive into burnout specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that you can recognize that, you know, um, this year obviously has brought a lot of burnt out because of all the things you just described, mm-hmm. but what are those fact, you know, what are those warning signs or red flags that you can look for?
2: Yeah. So the signs of burnout include, you know, foggy thinking, you know, inability to focus a sense of doom or, um, inability to meet deadlines, um, uh, apathy, you know, sleeplessness, irritability—these are all things that we can we can manage ourselves over time. But there, we can reach also a sense of uh, of overwhelm, and that's when you know burnout can really take a toll. And then it's time to step back. It's time to engage in self care. It's to it's time to really look at how well you're supporting your emotional well being, especially in a COVID year.
1: So for someone that doesn't have a budget, um, they're a small nonprofit, and they don't have budget for a Cynthia Gregory or an executive coach, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's really helpful to, to start at that base of, you know, what are, what are those red flags? What are we looking for? What could they do to just sort of pause? Because I gotta tell you, all those things that you mentioned are me. I mean, I right now, and I'm not trying to yeah. make this about me. I yeah. just wanna yeah. make, you know, a singular point that we're all in this space right now of mm-hmm. teaching our kids and having mm-hmm. you know just this it, it feels like a black cloud that is just following us as the pandemic mm-hmm. continues so what are some things that the average person can do to just and maybe it's just create space for quiet and meditation or whatever it is what could somebody do that's at a small nonprofit that could like engage in that self-care that you're talking about
2: Um, I, that's such a great point. And there are so many resources out there. And because of the internet, there's just, there's an infinite variety and they can be all really simple. Um, pausing once an hour to just take a deep breath, take three deep breaths that automatically kind of puts you into a, um, a theta zone where your brain is actually more functioning it functions better when we're stressed out. Um, our prefrontal cortex gets shut down so that our lizard brain can activate. So we're operating on adrenaline. So calming ourselves down actually helps us to think better. So taking a couple of deep breaths, being very mindful and being present in the moment for five minutes, an hour, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot doing yoga. There are some really great yoga routines on the internet. I did some, um, restorative yoga yesterday morning. And it basically was just flopping around on the floor for 30 minutes. <laughs> it was we called it the dead
1: fish yoga. So. I actually
0: did some yesterday. I felt the same way. So that's great. Know, right?
2: <laughs> you were breathing, you were fully present. You know, there, that sense of impending doom was pushed out just a little bit and it felt a little bit better. I think um, paying attention to your self-talk is something that everybody yes. can do. We have a, we have this narrative going all the time. And so many times we would never speak to somebody that we love the same way that we speak about ourselves. And I think that um, nonprofit leaders tend to be high achievers. We want to make a difference. We want to do all these things in the world. And so as a high achiever, sometimes we step over the small wins. And I think that paying attention on a daily basis to those small wins and celebrating them and pausing in the moment can help build resilience. Mm, that's a I great that drink. <clears throat> drink plenty of water. We're 60% water at the minimum. And when we don't drink enough water, we don't get enough oxygen into our system and the oxygen doesn't get to our brain. Super simple, anybody can drink more water.
1: Those are really good tips. And I want to make sure we don't gloss over something that you just said. Did you say lizard brain?
2: <laughs> Our very primitive brain that, you know what, we're no longer living in caves and being chased by saber toothed tigers. But that's what kept us alive when we were doing that. And <clears throat> Long term stress, which is what we've been under, has many physical um, effects. It can raise our blood pressure. It can, you know, it can give us, it can contribute to a lot of cortisol, which is the belly fat that we experience when we get stressed out, which is also bad for our cardiovascular system. So <clears throat> taking these small steps and paying attention to our well being is going to it's the equivalent of putting our own oxygen mask on first so that we can help others
1: oh i I just i see that like visually i can see that That, those are such great tips i thank you so much for that i feel like i'm having a psychology (laughs) and sociology (laughs) (laughs) lesson right now it's really great so
0: cynthia you know a lot of this advice is directed toward the leader i wonder if you could speak Mm. to obviously taking care of the leader personally is Mm. such a good noble thing to Mm do how do you advise your leaders that you coach to also take care of their flock, you know, their team? What are some some ways to do that? I know as a past oh. manager, you feel that, you know, that you want to support and serve, but you also mm-hmm. can't just completely get sucked into the emotional yeah. ups and downs mm-hmm. of everybody. And you it's know? hard
1: to do when they're virtual. I mean, yeah. it's like virtually yeah. caring from somebody who's like at a complete arm's length from you and will be mm-hmm. for possibly a while.
2: Yeah recognizing that we have to be ultra sensitive at this time, I think is a big part of that. And actually I'm also a big believer in structures. And so creating a structure where it's safe to talk about having your having your weekly check-ins, you know, and just being honest, going, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Is everything okay? Um, and sometimes they're not. And then, and then there's a the time to go, you know what, you've got permission to take the afternoon off. If that's what you need, um, then do that. I had a boss years ago who used, who gave me permission to take wellness days. Mm. And I, lo- and I so appreciated that, you know, it's like, I'm going to take a day to be well, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's what I need to do to take care of myself now so that I can show up better for you tomorrow. And so I think giving your team permission to feel the feels they're feeling and not trying to gloss over it and having the open exchange and also offering, um, doing a little bit of research and, um, providing some of those free services and free outlets that your staff can probably use as well. There, there are so many out there.
1: I'm so glad you brought up mental health days because I started doing this with my kids last year um, Mm -hmm. after reading about it, which uh, feel free to uh, anyone listening, just lop your judgment at me. But I (laughs) literally, I have a 10 year old and a six year old. So I checked them out of school one day last week and we had a day of being out in nature, playing, you know, playing together. And I mean, we literally played hooky and it, and we talked about why we were doing that. And it was not because we wanted to be, you know, like, um, reckless. And we it's didn't, like Ferris Bueller, right? I know it's like the worst mm-hmm. truancy you can, <laughs> I mean, I'm actually confessing this, but it was like talking about, you, even as a kid, you need to normalize. And I wish business would normalize a mental health day, yeah. you know, for everyone that we are so entrenched in the work that we do. And a lot of it is what you just said. It is high stress. It is high demand. I mean, we have people that are needing us all the time. It's coming at us from every angle, whether it's a donor, yeah. whether it's a vendor, whether it's our administration, what, I mean, our, even our employees, if you're a leader, And it's like, everyone needs to find a way if you are not someone, and I know we've got a lot of type A people uh, that are listening to this (laughs) podcast, whether you are in nonprofit for profit, or whether you are just at home, trying to get through and teaching your kids. It's like Mm -hmm. we need to create pauses, especially you uh number three Enneagram threes. (laughs) You know, you need to create balance and pause because the go, go, go. I love what you said about long-term stress has long-term physical effects. Yes, it does. We and 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 now you've just put that, you know, on hyper steroids, adding a pandemic. And it's like, people, we are having this conversation today because we love you. You are our community. You are our do-gooders. And we want you to be well. We want your people to be well. So thank you for talking about the mental health day. I think that is such a great hack that anybody can do right now. Create space for yourself to just breathe if you do nothing else.
2: Studies are also showing now, I mean, they're really, it's it's being validated by science that this is actually a beneficial thing to do. You're more productive when you're able to step back and check in, when you can relieve that stress and make the world go quiet and, you know, gather your thoughts, taking care of yourself. And, you know, the the turnover rate in the nonprofit world is high enough. And so if people are not feeling supported in their work environment, they're going to find a place that is supportive, that, you know, that meets their needs. And, that's a very expensive proposition for a nonprofit. It so is. we want to maintain our staff, which means we need to take care of them and, and give them the permission to take care of themselves.
0: Hey, friends! Taking a quick pause from today's episode to say that we just love to connect with you, and the best way to do so is to join the Good Community. It's free. Just head on over to weareforgood.com/hello, and we can connect with all the resources, tips, tools, and show notes to help you do more for your mission. We can't wait to get to know you. Let's get back to this awesome, feel-good conversation.
1: Yeah, I wondered about that correlation when I was um, just reading up on you and preparing for this interview is, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but I feel like in my mind the, this could be lore at this point, nonprofit lore, but the average tenure of a nonprofit professional is like 18 months, and I wonder if there was yeah. a correlation between mm-hmm. burnout and that 18 months. Could you speak to that a little bit?
2: Sure. I mean, uh, I don't have any, you know, statistics to back it up, but I definitely Me neither. I think I just that, made that up. Know, actually, <laughs> I thought it was four years, which I thought I was being very generous. So, you know, between, you know, a year and a half to four years is an average. And I think that a lot, of, it's a lot of that myth of like, well, you're doing the noble work, so you shouldn't be paid for it. Or somehow oh, the mission is beef. more important than the people delivering the mission. And I just don't agree with that. I think that... Uh, the nonprofit world is a very valid support system for a healthy culture, just as a healthy business community and working in partnership together, we you know take care of all elements of our, our community, hopefully. And so the the high turnover rate is is super problematic. And part of that has to do with the pay grade and and believing that, you know, well, nonprofits shouldn't pay because it's well, it's nonprofit, but you can't attract the, you know, the brightest and the best if you're not willing to help them sustain a livable lifestyle. And so, you know, I think that contributes to a lot to it, but also something that I want to bring up. And I think that is one of those things that's also not talked about in the nonprofit world, which is a sense of competition with the other nonprofits in your community. You're all competing for the same dollars, so you don't really wanna open up to, the, to your competitors, even though they may be friends and you may meet them every month at your AFP meeting or you know what other um, group that you belong to. But the truth of the matter is that um, nonprofit leaders sharing their own vulnerabilities and best practices and celebrating both in a, an affinity group like a mastermind group is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because you've realized that you're not alone, that there are other people dealing with the same kind of challenges. And when you can uh, collectively share the wisdom of a group of nonprofit leaders in an environment, everybody benefits.
0: Amen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, okay, a little bit of a curveball question for you, Cynthia. Okay, Um, give it to me. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a story or is there a coaching client that you've had that you've just seen this do really well? You know, walk through this resilience and um, kind of do this work-life balance really well. Something like that?
2: Uh, Well, actually, you know, what really comes to mind is I just completed a mastermind group of five nonprofit leaders. And it ended just last month. And they... Came through a really rough time together, where they would have been on their own, but because they were willing to say, "I don't know how to manage my staff when they're not in the office. How do I know they're going to be doing what they're doing? Or how do I manage this this um, merger with another nonprofit where we are coming down to the brass tacks of finalizing the agreement, and suddenly I feel like I've lost control of the narrative." Mm. And so, because they all have different levels of expertise they would jump in and say, well, have you considered this? Or what about that? And there was no sense of competition whatsoever. The the main focus of the group was the health of the group. And they were all in it together. And it was such a beautiful thing. Coming out of it, they were all stronger and more resilient as a result of being willing to be vulnerable with their alleged competitors. So I think that it kind of, it um, defies, you know, the expected norms that, We would talk with one another and say, hey, I'm I'm feeling challenged in this or it's like I just launched another branch of the nonprofit where we're now giving, you know, educational groups to the farm workers, children. And so we are able to celebrate one another because we know the difficulty of that task. So I think that talking with your colleagues is critically important.
0: I think that's really wise counsel. Excuse me you know, we have, my wife and I owned a small business here in the Oklahoma city community for a while. And I feel like the small business community, at least here does that really well. You know, it's community mm. before competition. And you just, yes. you always feel like you're on the same page of, you know, I want to support my friends who are in this together and we can commiserate during sales and during Christmas when you're working overtime. And there is so much good and value in that. And it comes from a place of abundance to say, you know, our product may not be for everybody or our nonprofit may not be for everybody, but there is plenty of donors here that are going to connect with your passion. And so that's okay. Like we can pull for each other and we can share that with each other. So I love that you're encouraging the masterminds or just getting community because it's so valuable and it really does help.
1: And what an easy win. I mean, it's such an easy win. I just am sitting here thinking, And I think that's what I love about this podcast and these discussions so much is it illuminates to me what seemed like the most common sense, you know, basic things that people can do to simplify your life because if you don't do this – I I just have this visual of someone just pushing and pushing so hard to grind it out right now. And it's like, this is not a time to just amp the lever up. (laughs) I mean, we are trying to pivot and figure out how to engage, how to support, how to fundraise during this super strange time of our life, but it, to pump the gas, you know, is not, is not the solution. It, it, that's what I'm taking from this conversation mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. hitting the brakes once and just saying I see you and I, and saying which I think could be the most important thing as a leader I'm feeling it too and I'm feeling like we all need to step back here and we all need to take a breath and we need to encircle each other and this is the time for I love that you talked about vulnerability because I think there is such a connection to authenticity when you do that. And the connection just explodes because you are fusing, you know, like minds, like feelings together. <laughs> and it's like this is a time that very simply you can give someone something that costs nothing to you. And it's, it's such a good benefit. So I really appreciate that you're bringing this up.
2: Um, There's a story I love to say. And it's it's one of those old chestnuts, right? It's like, so we have two woodcutters are having a competition. How much wood can they cut in, you know, say a four hour period of time. The first woodcutter stops every hour to sharpen her axe. The second woodcutter just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. Who cuts more wood in the end? The one who stopped to sharpen her axe because... She's pausing, she's sharpening her skills. She's listening, she's paying attention. She's restoring her own reserves instead of running on empty. You know, when you're running on empty, you you literally have nothing to give. Mm -hmm. And it's not gonna be a pretty crash and burn because it's gonna happen. So um, caring for one another. I mean, we're in the business of caring. And I think that that one last element of caring includes ourselves when I studied nonviolent communication, I had this aha moment, which was nonviolent communication starts with the way we talk to each other and to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So if we're saying things like, oh, you should have done better than that. Oh boy, here you did it again. Instead of going, wow, I really tried my best. I actually you know, wrote that 10 page you know, grant application faster than I thought I would. Instead of just stepping over it and reaching for the next thing, just going, In extraordinary times, sometimes it's the the, the small actions that really mean the most.
1: Amen. That's awesome. I have a question for you, Cynthia. (laughs) Please. So I wonder if you have any specific advice for people um, just starting out in their careers, because I'm just two, three years in. I'm not particularly feeling burnt out, but what can someone like me do to combat this the rest of my life? We kind of have an early start. Um, I just wonder if you have particular advice for young professionals out there. Love that oh, question. God Jill. bless
2: the young professionals. No,
0: not jaded. Awesome. I know we need their
1: enthusiasm and their uh, purity of spirit. Absolutely, well, and we're just in such a place of wanting to prove ourselves. And you kind of you um, people my age tend to work a little too hard. I would say so. I I'm sure you have specific advice for us. Well, you
2: have the energy for it, and you also you know you're idealist, which is so beautiful. You bring that pure energy to it. And you know you you know stay away from the old cynical ones you know. But,
0: uh, <laughs> that's, that's advice, advice. number <laughs> one. Actually, that's really good.
2: <laughs> but, Everybody's um,
1: picturing somebody in yeah. their office right now. I know, <laughs> right? Like, don't be that person. Don't be
2: that guy. <laughs> um, you know, stay connected with your passion because that is what's going to carry you for so uh, so long. Um, stay committed to your values. Every time I have a, a first conversation with somebody in a coaching um, environment, I ask them to tell me a story that was meaningful to them and, you know, positive. And the story is wonderful. As a writer, I love a, sto- a good story, but really what I'm what I'm mining for are the values that they're referring to when they talk about something that is really important to them. And it's like, honor your values, look for an organization to align where your values align with theirs. And That's going to carry you so far because it's the values-based work that we do that matters the most and build your skills along the way, but always, always connect with your values. If it's environmental, work for Earth Justice, work for Sierra Club, work for, you know, any number of wonderful organizations like that. Never make a decision based on the money because that's going to come and go and it's not what matters, but always, you know, stay, stay true to yourself. That I think is the most important thing to do.
0: Oh my goodness! I what want you that? to write a little mini leadership book. You know that would be so perfect. <laughs> <That was. laughs> those, those lessons I'll are so Twenty
2: list. to thirty. We need a
1: book. <laughs> I mean, that is a good transition.
0: <laughs> Cynthia is author, and you're. I know we talked about before we started that you're working on another manuscript right now. Would you want to talk about the writing journey and maybe how that's helped you process through things and share your heart?
2: Oh man, that's critical. I mean, I started writing basically as a teenager because you know trying to make sense of the world. It, it really made more sense on the page. And then I developed this passion for storytelling, which is so primal, you know, and in fundraising storytelling is everything, right? Yeah. How do you inspire donors with a really great inspirational story though? They'll, they'll follow you anywhere for a good story and a good vision. So I started translating um, my life experiences into these stories, one of which was a, um, when I worked for the Red Cross Blood Services, there was this little boy, he was absolutely adorable. He was our poster child. He'd been born with a hole in his heart. And his mother came and said, oh, the, the blood has been so life-saving for my baby because he would turn from blue to pink every time he got a transfusion. Oh. Gosh, right? And so I was like, this is a story that people need to hear. I knew it in my soul. That was a story that people needed to hear. So I wrote a story about people who donate blood because only certain numbers of adults have not developed an antibody that is as pure as a baby's blood. So only very special donors can contribute blood that will be used in a transfusion for a baby. And so I thought, how remarkable is that? And this, this woman's story about Every time she walked into a blood donation center, because of course she was a believer after her baby had received um, so many transfusions. And also when he had the the surgery to repair his heart, it took like five pints, pints of blood just to prime the machine that kept his heart beating while it was being repaired. So, I mean, it's a lot of detail, but so she'd walk into a blood donation center and she'd look around the room and just wonder which one of these people were the ones who helped save her baby that's why we do this work, you know, that is the reason that motivated the heck out of me. And to the point that I shared this story it became an award-winning story because, you know, a story entitled baby blood is going to get somebody's attention. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and so, so writing has been very important to me to be able to tell the stories and helps me build case statements and helps me write grant applications because that's the way our brains are wired is to remember a story yeah. And before written language, that's how we shared, you know, our histories. So the writing element has been really important to me. And so um, I wrote, I published a book a couple of years ago about journaling, which is called Journaling is Sacred Practice. And so it's about trusting, you know, the writing process, um, whether it's art or writing or running, you know, whatever you're passionate about, when you lean into it, I think it really informs you about the world at large. So um, I'm completing a collection of short stories this year. And then I was talking with one of my coaches. Always work with a coach who works with coaches. It's really important. (laughs) It's
1: true. It's true. Oh, yeah. Yes. I know therapists that have therapists. I mean, it's like or we all plan meetings. Yes. And it's yes. like community. I mean, we say this all the time. People are rolling their eyes right now or taking a drink because we keep saying it. <laughs> community is everything. And that is where great change and mountains are moved. And I have to tell you, I'm dead right now from that story about no. the blood donation because. How many of us have just gone out to a blood mobile, done, done our deed, and then we walked out with our T-shirt, and, and it was great. It was like any way that you can humanize and tell a story, it's like I honestly don't think I will go throughout my entire life without picturing a mom walking in there and looking around and and, and thinking – these are the type of people that save my child. It's like, it is so massively important. And again, that is something free that anyone can do to volunteer. Mm -hmm. This is the beauty of philanthropy to me.
2: I really believe that people are truly generous and truly want to make a difference. Same. And you know, the truism is like, the number one reason people don't make a donation is because they're not asked. You ask them and give them the opportunity to get in touch with their own humanity And beautiful things can happen.
1: Yeah. Well, Cynthia, we've gotten so much out of this interview. (laughs) Um, Clearly, um, you are just such a harbinger of wellness, uh, storytelling, goodness. I'm just so grateful that you came on in the time that you did to kind of infuse um, just almost a breath and a pause for our community, which is so important. We ask all of our guests to tell us one good thing. Um, it could be a secret to your success, um, something that we could all implement today to move the needle in our organizations. Do you have some advice about what your one good thing is?
2: I, there, you know, I'm a coach, so I have like a whole bag of tricks.
1: (laughs) Three hours later, we're still going.
2: (laughs) Um, I actually started doing this journaling uh, process by a therapist um, last year and uh, you know, in truthfulness and in full transparency, I didn't complete it because it was just, it was very intense. But one of the things that I took away from that was like every single day when I wake up, before I jump out of bed, I get in touch with my intentions for the day. And I choose one word, you know, what is the word that I wanna bring with me into everything I do? Is it curiosity? You know, is it compassion? Is it courage? You know, what are the things that you want to bring with you that day and then everything that comes up, meet it with that. And it's really it's amazing what happens when you just take one mindful little step like that every single day, choose a word for the day and then live it. That's what I would say is a great tip for well being. Oh my! That gosh. is awesome. I, love that.
0: <laughs> I have not heard of that advice. I mean, I've heard of like, kind of a word of the year, but the word of the day—that's powerful stuff. My mind is to... is
1: just spinning of like, what is my word today? What is yeah. my word today?
2: It's so much it fun. Yes,
1: yeah. yes, that's a yeah. fantastic tip.
0: So, Cynthia, how can folks, our community, connect with you? Where are you at? Where do you, where are you online? How can people reach out to you?
2: I'm all over LinkedIn, and if you go onto LinkedIn and search Gregory <laughs> Cynthia. I post like ten times a day. I'm also <laughs> posting articles on Thrive Global oh. uh, weekly now, which is super fun. Very cool. And Thank then you. my website is cgregorycreativity.com. You're
1: wonderful. I know. I think you're. Thank have a little you fan for club infusing you so out. much goodness <laughs> into our community today. I feel like I'm about to take a deep breath as we get off this call and think about my word and reposition myself. I hope everybody else does too.
2: I love that. I love you you guys. I'll come back anytime. You're so much (laughs) fun. Thank you. Thank you. We
0: appreciate you.
1: Yeah, have a great day.
2: Thank you. You
1: too. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope Cynthia has taught you how to care for the caregiver, but also care for yourself too. Did you know every week we share our best roundup of content, freebies, and notes heard on each episode? Head over to weareforgood.com backslash hello to join our mailing list, and you'll hear from us weekly with resources and tips to help you do more for your mission. If you love what you heard today, would you stop what you're doing and hit subscribe? It really does help more people find us and join our good community. Thanks, friends. Our production hero is a gal who embraces peace as easily as she embraces a cup of coffee, Julie Confer. Hello. Our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Go Ross this week, do getters.
0: Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are for Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are for Good podcast.
1: Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including the Good Brief